Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas, and former President Trump has been in the news again this week. There are some real concerns about the way that he's currently talking. Besieged by court cases, his anger level seems to be going up, and with it, the level of threatening talk. There's been a lot of dialogue about people committing treason. Apparently, according to the New York Times, he's used that term to describe 24 of his political enemies. And in court again this week, he called the judge a rogue adjudicator. Also, Mr. Trump suggested in an online post that General Mark Milley, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, deserved to face the death penalty. Mr. Trump also called another one of his critics a degenerate psychopath who hates a spark that starts a forest fire. And there are other analogies in scripture. A sharpened razor, Psalm 52. A sword, Psalm 64. And then James in the New Testament says, suppose someone is never wrong in what he says, then he is a perfect man. He's able to keep his whole body under control. We put a bit in the mouth of a horse to make it obey us. We can control the whole animal with it. And how about ships? They're very big. They're driven along by strong winds, but they are steered by a very small rudder. It makes them go where the captain wants to go. In the same way, James says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it brags a lot. Think about how a small spark can set a big forest on fire, and the tongue also is a fire. The tongue is the most evil part of the body. It pollutes the whole person. It sets a person's whole way of life on fire. There's a lot of talk in the New Testament, in the Bible actually, about talk. Problems have been reported at Wildlife Park in Lincolnshire leading to the removal of five parrots. Eric, Jade, Elsie, Tyson and Billy have all been banished because of talk. They've all developed an unfortunate habit of swearing at visitors. Chief Executive Steve Nichols told CNN News that this gaggle of foul-mouthed birdies went ballistic with their profanities and insults. I get called a fat swear word. Every time I walk by them, Steve lamented, we were concerned about the children. This story of cussing feathered friends intrigued me, so I did a little research on parrot training. Obviously, parrots are carefully schooled to mimic the sounds that they hear. They need to be relaxed and ready for a training session. Using repetition and reward, the owner repeats the chosen word over and over, offering a treat when the bird successfully parrots it back. The process takes time and patience until at last the dubious result is attained. Hooray! Now you have a domestic pet that can turn the air blue and insult your friends. I confess that I laughed out loud at the five parrots story, but then I started thinking, which is dangerous? In casual conversation on social media, many view it as cool to punctuate their sentences or pepper their 140 characters with swear words. In the disgusting playground brawl that was the first television election debate in America during the last election, the exchange was charged with name-calling, personal insults, and even a swear word from the president who, more worryingly, refused to categorically denounce white supremacy. Flip on the flat screen after the watershed, and you'll find that after-hours TV is loaded with the dirtiest talk.
I've noticed that Christians tend to swear more these days and some use bad language as a badge of freedom, a notion that is surely misguided. Using bad language isn't cool, it's crass. Those who protest, suggesting that swearing is not good practice, risk being dismissed as being sniffy puritanical legalists. But before I became a follower of Jesus, my conversation was littered with expletives. How refreshing it was to be around people who didn't resort to the laziness that is swearing. In our relationships, we create a culture that's either permissive or exhortative. Watch what happens in a group setting when someone casually drops a swear word or shares an off-colour story. Before long, others in the group, prompted by the example of the cursor, join in with the bad language fest. Lemming-like, we mindlessly follow the leader, even if the leader is treading a murky path or even lobbing themselves over a moral cliff. A few days ago, out for a walk, I indulged my persistent habit of people-watching. Noticing a family with young children sitting together on a park bench, I couldn't help tuning into their conversation as I strolled by. One of the adults sported a T-shirt with three swear words screaming from his chest, and in the ten seconds that it took me to pass them by, okay, 20 seconds, I'm nosy and I was intrigued, they collectively used the worst swear words five or six times, and all that with young, tender ears listening. I'm concerned about those children. Now, I know, there are worse things than swearing, but surely that's not really the point. Scripture tells those of us who would be apprentices of Jesus to let our speech be seasoned with salt and cause us to ensure that what we say is a source of grace to those who hear it. As we heard earlier, reading from the book of James, the tongue is tough to tame. Though nature has hedged it with a double barrier of the lips and teeth, it bursts from its barriers to assail and ruin, said the medieval Catholic scholar Estius. And bad language is not just about the use of certain so-called rude words. When we gossip, slander, lie and flatter, we bruise and sully other lives. There are some who, because of illness, can't control torrents of swearing, like those who battle Tourette's syndrome. They deserve our sympathy, not condemnation. But for the majority who just blurt out whatever we think, some self-control is surely called for. So let's think before we open our mouths and resist the urge to be bird-brained. And if we're tempted to dismiss all this talk about talk as unimportant in a world where bigger issues loom, perhaps it's time to think again and evacuate that perch. The gunman just stared at me, his eyes wide and an insane grin frozen on his face. Two seconds earlier, a bullet from his rifle had whistled across the breakfast table where Kay and I and our two young children were sitting. Now the room was clouded with the acrid cordite smoke that stains the air when a large bore weapon is fired inside a house. The bullet slammed into the ceiling above the table, showering us all with plaster. We all immediately burst into tears, overwhelmed with shock and fear, our ears ringing from the deafening explosion. In a bizarre moment that felt like a minute, we looked around to see if both of our children were alive and still had all their limbs. They were unhurt, but the gunman wasn't finished yet. There was another bullet still to come. The day had begun so happily. 
we'd been invited to the home of a minister friend, an Englishman who had relocated to Oregon. He loved every aspect of the backwoods rural culture, big hats, mammoth blueberry pancakes, and large guns. He bought himself a 308 rifle, a serious hunting gun that can kill huge animals and make mincemeat of humans. Eager to show off his dubious prize, he chose to demonstrate it while we enjoyed our bacon and eggs. Thinking that the barrel was empty and that the gun was safe, he cocked it and pulled the trigger. The bullet ricocheted off a wood stove and whistled between our heads. The reverend assassin had ignored the most important truth about guns, and that is, always assume that they are loaded. Guns aren't fashionable or available in the UK as they are in America, thank God. Yet, as we've been reflecting, each one of us is in possession of a highly deadly weapon. It's called the tongue. With a so-called slip of the tongue, we can annihilate an innocent character with just one shot. And then sarcasm can blast a soul's confidence. A well-aimed jibe or so-called clever put-down can just take someone out. Marriages are slowly murdered by daily murmurs. And then there's the carnage that gossip creates. Strong churches have been scattered and too many vintage friendships shattered by the machine gun effect of gossip. Careless whisperers place loaded weapons in the hands of any number of people, invite them to pull the trigger whenever they please, and then pass the smoking gun on. Your turn, take a shot. Now, of course, the tongue can bless too, because words can bring healing, comfort, and inspiration. I love you is surely the sweetest sound. Stirring speeches end wars and launch wonderful revolutions. Martin Luther King announced that he had a dream and oppressed multitudes were galvanized into action. And yet even those who try to use the tongue to help need to be cautious. Because to my horror, I've discovered that I can be quite a quick-on-the-draw gunfighter myself. I spend a lot of my life using words, both written and spoken. I love to craft a sentence and choose a phrase to communicate. But any gift that I might have can also be used for evil as well as good. In conflict, I can be dangerous. Plucking a crucifying comment out of my armory, I can use words that sting, hurt, and maim. So, when we speak, let's think first. And blunt though it sounds, if we're in doubt, let's just be quiet. Mark Twain was right. He said, a closed mouth gathers no foot. Let's watch that tongue and always assume that it's loaded. Meanwhile, back in Oregon, our erstwhile gunman friend was not finished with his spree. Shamed and terribly embarrassed by the fact that he'd very nearly killed his guests, he rushed into the bedroom, ejected the empty shell, and then flustered, reloaded and fired the gun again, shooting a large hole in the carpet. His enraged wife threw him out of the house. He's since been allowed back in. But we don't have breakfast plans with them anytime soon. The conference had been going rather well. My address on the opening evening had been well received. There was a spring in my step as I skipped down the hotel stairs, two at a time, heading towards the crowded lobby. Just time for a quick coffee before the first session of the day. Suddenly, a voice rang out from the landing above. 
two ladies who were delegates from the conference had spotted me and decided to brighten my morning with some words of encouragement, which are always welcome. Their choice of words, however, caused quite a stir in the lobby. Jeff, hello, wait. I paused on the last stair and looked up. They leaned over the stairwell, faces beaming, eyes bright with kindness. Jeff, both of us just wanted to say, thanks so much for last night. The teeming lobby instantly joined me in my pause and looked at my reddening face with interest. They continued, you were absolutely fantastic last night. The lobby wrestled with moral outrage and veiled admiration. Yes, we both agree, the ladies went on. We haven't laughed so much in years. I attempted a response of thanks, but due to acute embarrassment, a high-pitched sound like that of a chicken being strangled emerged from my throat. Head down, I rushed out of the crowded lobby, avoiding the eyes of the other guests, some of whom clearly wanted me executed as a moral reprobate. Of course, at one level, the exchange with those ladies was rather refreshing in its naivety and simple purity, uncluttered by innuendo. I don't miss all that tiresome nudge-nudge-wink-wink chatter from my pre-Christian days. But the other side of the story is that these delightful ladies in their hurry to be kind hadn't paused to consider their words, hence their effect on the crowd in the lobby. Something similar happened a few weeks ago at a major event that I was speaking at. A lovely older lady rushed up to me after a seminar. I enjoyed that seminar, Jeff. Will you be speaking tonight? I replied that no, and named the speaker for the evening. Oh, even better. Emerged from her lips, her eyes screamed with alarm as if she knew that her choice of words, as if she was reaching frantically to catch them before they came tumbling out of her mouth. But alas, it was too late. As I close tonight, I have to confess, I can't tell you how many times I wish that I had paused just for one tiny second before blurting out my thoughts. Slow to speak is the biblical description of the Christian who engages brain before releasing the mouth. A few seconds of deliberation and thought can save hours of recrimination and regret. When we talk, let's think before we speak. See you next week. Lucas on Life.